Right, let's 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 have a moment of silence before we begin, please. <laughs> You're gonna leave us in prayer. Yeah. Listeners, and welcome to episode 47 of the Picky Bastards podcast, where we talk about new release, newly released albums, old albums, and other albums, and get everything wrong about all of them. Um, you may have been listening last time and realized that regular bastard Nick Parker is, is no longer going to be hosting the podcast. Um, so we are welcoming, welcoming Mr. Sam Atkins in his place today and going forward. How are you doing, Sam? Hi, I'm good. How are you yeah. feeling about being the new Nick? Oh, please don't say that. I could never yeah. I could never be Nick. I could never reach those highs of tearing apart a piece of music like Nick mm. can. Okay. Um so yeah. Hope hopefully you will in, inflict less sort of doom metal on us than Nick did though, which is a definite bonus. Maybe, that but is, you hope. you have no idea what I've got planned in the future yeah. for you yeah. for you two. Country music on the way. Um, yeah, I was going to say, it's going to be a different kind of uh, <laughs> torture. Yeah. Melodies. Welcome to, welcome to Melodies to the podcast, though, at last night. I imagine we'll get more Melodies with Sam in the room. Yeah. Um, so I was just saying before we started recording that I, I always try and insult Sam in some way. Last time I called him a lodger. Um, when he was first a guest, we called him a special guest, but then we've, we've downgraded it every time. So I'm trying to think what he is now. Are you just a, are you a piece of furniture? Are you a, are you a stool? Just, just there. Yeah. Just what? I'm, I'm going to call you a stool. Okay, that's fine. I'll <laughs> yeah. be a stool. Okay. okay. <laughs> Sam is our new stool. Um, so today we will be, as always, talking about four recently released albums. Um, one a classic album, and I'll be introducing the artist I love. So the recently released albums are Montero by Lil Nas X, Comfort to Me by Amel and the Sniffers, Before I Get to Phoenix by Injury Reserve. New Age Norms Free by Cold War Kids. And the classic is In My Own Time by Karen Dalton. And then at the end, I'll be telling you why I love Roots Maneuver. So I'm going to go to Sam first with a question. Which album felt like it was most part of a musical movement or legacy? Yeah, so um, it it didn't, it wasn't hard to pick this answer to this question. It felt like, it feels like to me, um, the Montero by Lil Nas X is the musical movement of right now like the, okay. it, this feels the most relevant current kind of music that we could have picked for the podcast to represent 2021 and what music sounds like to so many people so whether whether this becomes a thing that will have a legacy that's to be decided i don't know um but for me right now this is like one of the most kind of i, I wouldn't say important but like it's just relevant relevant is the word i feel um yeah as as kind of a an out gay black pop star you I, I just can't think of anyone else that's kind of taken on the world like Lil Nas X has mm-hmm. and um kind of in pop culture in the, his, his music videos in all of that bit and I feel like that this album really really tries to kind of sum that up um and I feel like as a debut it is infinitely better than the first kind of music that he first put out a couple of years ago in like an EP form, um, which felt like it was very much, we're still trying to chase kind of some sort of trend, not really sure what sort of artist I'm going to be. 
clearly wasn't hadn't found himself really personally and um i think this it this is an album that features ridiculously massive pop tunes ridiculously massive pop hooks like industry baby montero that's what i want scoop that it's these are huge hit songs and they sound like it as well um and uh i feel like uh there's there's kind of no one that's doing that sort of thing at his level right now um of these kind of young artists that are in the mainstream so much as as him i i really really like this album um i think it definitely has some issues um as as a kind of record and i wonder whether those issues will kind of increase over time for for listeners and whether this will remain kind of um a standout moment for him. Um, I feel like he's at his best when he's sort of um, rapping slash singing, mm-hmm. not really doing either, because I think when the, there's quite a few features on this record um, and I, f- I want to pick out specifically Megan Thee Stallion, who delivers the best rap verse on the whole album, um, which is kind of a shame because it's like, well, someone else is delivering the best moment on on the on your own album <laughs> and the same with Miley I feel like Miley right at the end of the album um she's she way out sings him and it, it's those moments you go he's not quite there yet as a as a singer and he's not quite there yet as a rapper but when he's doing this kind of bit in between um on things like Industry Baby I feel mm-hmm. like it really works for him and that's when he's at his kind of most solid um yeah, I, I feel like this is a it's a really interesting one because it's it's got those pop moments, but it's also really introspective. It's really honest and open. Um I don't think that like lots of people would have expected this from such a mainstream pop star. Um, but this is as honest as you you would get from him talking about things on his own Twitter or on or on Instagram mm-hmm. or something. It feels like it's the same thing. Um like when he when he's speaking about his family and he's talking directly to to like an abuse his abusive mother and uh, on dead right now that's it's really like that I think that's the second track on the album and it's it's really kind of surprising and um, that you get such a such a heavy moment on an otherwise mm-hmm. massive pop record um, so yeah I, I I really really like this um, and for me it is kind of the moment right now um it's it it is the it is the the talking point of of kind of this year and that's that's why i feel like it fits with that question yeah good argument i'm not gonna not gonna argue with that matt do you want to jump in yeah yeah i do i i um i 100 percent agree with sam on this um i i wrote down it's like a a distillation of the zeitgeist right now it felt very much like he's getting all these ideas from all these different places which are all over pop and then bringing them all together into just one record. And so that meant the record as a whole um, evolved in its style throughout, but he, he it still sounded kind of like very much him because he was very much has yeah. this unique way of mm. presenting himself and being at the center of the songs. Even when you do get these features, and like, like you said, Megan Thee Stallion absolutely bossed it, but it still sounded like uh, his song. Um, I yeah, I found it really interesting because it really wasn't what I was expecting. Like, I didn't know anything about the, uh, his music apart from Old Town Road, so I was expecting like hip hop country fusion, 
And then it was just like, oh, this is just like, just pop bangers, like nonstop. And it was, there's so many earworms, so many songs that just stuck in my head. Um, and even though it might not be like, I think the groundbreaking part about it is the, like who he is being like on top mm-hmm. of the world and not necessarily the music, the music, like there were lots of motifs and things. That I'm just, I've heard all this, a lot of this before. It doesn't sound that revolutionary apart from like the way he's putting to get it together is interesting. Um, but, um, the actual music itself, like I'd heard a lot of it before, but it's still, it was irresistible. I found, I really just like had a lot of fun listening to the record. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely, definitely, uh, surprised me, but, uh, enjoyed it. Okay. Right. Well, yeah, obviously I was aware of Lil Nas X as, you know, he's been everywhere recently and I have really respected him as sort of, as a person, the stances he's been making and, and, and the videos, you know, how controversial he's been on purpose to sort of wind up uh, people who I think really do need <laughs> winding up. So I've, I've enjoyed that about him. Um, but I really didn't expect to like his music at all, especially after hearing Old Time Road, which is, you know, horrible. Um, <laughs> but I, I did want to check out the album because I was interested in him and I expected it to be a total cheese fest. But I was really genuinely surprised to find quite a, often quite a hard-hitting album, actually, and a, and a really well-produced record as well. I think there are times, like songs like Industry Baby, where this actually has more in common with some of the hip-hop of today than it does with the pet pop realm I was sort of expecting it to be in. Um, and I think, yeah, songs that have been mentioned before, like Scoop and Dollar Sign Slime, I think they really go quite full throttle, and I, I really enjoy that energy. Um, I also, like, I assume everyone would think I would hate Lost in the Citadel, but... I did actually really enjoy that song. Um, but there are other tracks I like less, like the one with Elton John, for example. Um, <laughs> but there aren't any moments when it, the album's really unlistenable, unlistenable to me, which I kind of expected it might be. Um, but yeah, you've both said this, and I think what really holds it together is him. I think his lyrics are surprisingly thoughtful. It feels like he's really putting himself out there. And as Sam pointed out, it's really refreshing to hear someone in his position talking so openly about the sexuality. And I think Matt used the word revolutionary, and I think there is something really revolutionary about this record um, and what he's doing at times. Um, again, that is about him, not necessarily the music, but what he's doing is quite revolutionary, and I think that's really to be respected. So, yeah, I do come away from it with quite a lot of respect for him. Um, I think he's he's killing it. He's, he's absolutely smashing it and, and doing incredibly well and, and making good music, which I didn't expect. Um, it's not an album I'm going to rush back to, but I am really glad we picked it because uh, I would not have listened to it. I don't think otherwise, and I think it deserves yeah. it deserves a good listen because it's it's interesting and he is interesting. So yeah, I'm glad we I'm glad we covered it. So yeah, I didn't expect such round agreement on, on yeah that record when we picked it's, it at first. But it's I think I was surprised that it went deeper than just the singles as well. Like there's a lot of just good album tracks all the way down yeah, yeah. I, I think i think one thing you picked out front you mentioned the production and mm. i think it's interesting that uh like a debut album like this you kind of maybe would have expected loads of people wanting to work with him but mm. he's pretty much made the whole record with this one production team and okay. um, take a day trip who who did a couple of his other songs before and they've kind of become a go-to producer in kind of pop hip-hop that kind of thing. So you hear you hear that little thing at the start of the song on all sorts of other songs now, but they've pretty much done the whole record with him, and I feel like that makes it a lot more cohesive. Um, yeah, because yeah, it yeah. could it could easily have been 
all of these killer producers right now trying to figure their own get in on this. Um, yeah. It doesn't end up as that. It's very much his record, which I feel like is the best part of it. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think you, it feels like a piece, doesn't it? And I think sometimes when you get, you know, sometimes when we've covered artists like this before, it's it does feel very, you know, all over the place. And it doesn't feel all over the place. It feels, even though there's a lot of different styles and a lot of different genres being touched upon, it does feel cohesive still. So, yeah. yeah, it makes sense that it's yeah. the same production. Yeah. That's cool. Cool. Okay. Next question. Yeah. Okay, Matt. So which album felt most out on its own? Um, so I'm going to go with the Karen Dalton album, which I've forgotten oh. the name, name of right now. <laughs> in, my, in my own time, in your own time, in my in own my time. time. In, in my own time. Neither um, of you picked the answers that I this. predicted you would, but go go ahead. I, I found this one really hard to pick because I thought a lot of them were uh, not really standing out from the genres that they uh, have it within. Interesting, but, interesting. This, this for me, like it fused genres in a way I hadn't really heard before. Like it's obviously folk forward, but there's like blues, gospel, and jazz all chucked in at different times. Mm. Um, and there's even at one point I felt like there was like a disco moment on <laughs> One Night of Love. The, like the guitar yeah. in it sounds like disco guitars with like, uh, I don't know, they're like uh, kind of rapid strumming <laughs> and the like the tone of the guitar. And so I was just like, what is, what is going on? But then it would always come back to like the folk core at the center of it. And so I guess one part of that though is when it's fusing all these different genres is I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, it, it's taking these genres and these influences from other artists and mm. putting them together in a way which has been done as just probably a black artist that's been overlooked. But I really like... Mm don't know anything about this time period musically mm. like you you interested like made me listen to made me <laughs> i volunteered <laughs> to listen to uh like dylan uh yeah. extensively yeah. for the first time uh only a couple months ago um so like it's a time period i really don't know much about but i did uh, like i broadly enjoyed this album um it had some like very beautiful simplicity at times it was very big and romantic uh for a lot of it um and as it was actually like spanned through these genres it's interesting enough to talk about about it after little nas x because mm. the way that she fused genres was wasn't like cohesive i don't think it was very much like here's a song and now here's a completely different type of song <laughs> and here's a completely different other type of song um and I, I don't know if that's the nature of the way it was recorded or anything like that but like initially I was expecting this very like straightforward folk. The first couple mm. of songs are very straightforward folk, but then it's going all over the place and it is very much stepwise as opposed to like this nice fusion throughout. Um, I think the, the, the moments I enjoyed the most were the ones that weren't that folky. I actually found her voice kind of irritating, but like it was so nasally during, especially the first couple tracks, mm -hmm. it sounded like she was a Muppet. And I just, <laughs> I, I know this like is like, like a, like a legendary album, but I'm just like, it was so like almost like a parody song, but then it moved into more like the bluesy jazzy stuff. And I was like, I could really, really enjoy some of that. Cause she let her vocals sit much back, like further back in the track. Um, and so, yeah, I like overall, I thought lots of some interesting songs, some good songs, but I, 
I'm not sure as an album as a whole. I was like sold on the whole thing, but maybe I'll make a playlist like we've been doing recently. <laughs> Can we all stop turning albums into playlists, people? It's, it's, it's not allowed. Yeah. Um, I'll me. jump in, I think, because there's a few things Matt said that I, I just need to tell him he's wrong about, I suppose. Um, but yeah, to, to go back to, you mentioned Dylan, and the reason I picked this album was partly because I knew she'd sung with Dylan a bit. Um, there's yeah. an association there. Um, I also picked it because there's a documentary about her on the way, um, and I know I'm going to have to watch it because my partner, Kirsten, really likes Karen, Dal- Karen Dalton, <clears throat> particularly the opening song, Something on Your Mind, which you've, you've just slagged off. Um, oh, which is an absolutely so stunningly beautiful song. That that song, I've I've known that song for a long time because Kirsten listens to it, and it's a gorgeous song. Um, I'm I meant to check her out, so it felt like a good a good time to pick her. But when I picked it, I wasn't aware that this is all cover songs, and everything she ever released was a cover song. She never actually released any of her original music, which might be where you're getting some of that, um, you know, incohesiveness yeah. from. Um, and my first reaction to it being all covers was a bit of disappointment really because I felt like I wasn't sure how to judge an album that wasn't really like her original work. But after spending some time with it, it turned out that that didn't really matter to me at all because I just think she's such a unique artist and performer that it didn't really matter that these weren't her songs. Um, I'm going to use a massive cliche here, but she really did make all of these songs her own, I thought. Um, <laughs> I know, a massive cliche, but I really do think she did. I didn't, you know, I think there's only a two or three that I know in their original form, and um, they, they sounded like completely different songs. Um, and it's my understanding that she arranged all the new compositions um, of all these songs, and that with her very unique voice and the intonations, um, she did make everything sound very different. And there's songs that I did know, like um, When a Man Loves a Woman and How yeah. Sweet It Is. Um, these versions were much more in my my wheelhouse than any versions I'd heard before. So, yeah, totally captivated by this album, to be honest. I really enjoyed it. Um, I have got a note here saying I can imagine her voice being a Marmite one. Um, I can imagine some people really not getting on board with it. But for me, personally, I find it quite transfixing. I found... Um, found the sound of her voice quite ethereal and I think she often makes these sweet and sort of sickly songs in their original form a lot more haunting. Um, and I, what really impressed me as well is I don't think it sounds that dated for an album that I think came out in 1979. I think it's kind of timeless. Um, if someone like Angel Olsen came out with an album like this today, it wouldn't surprise me. So yeah, in terms of the classics we've done, this this is up there with the ones I've listened to the most with possibly Niles and Biggie having been listened to more. But yeah, yeah I, I will keep I will keep listening to this. I really, really enjoyed this album. Um, one of the best classics we've had for quite a long time. I think it's older than 79. I, I wrote 71 down, but maybe I wrote down the wrong thing. Might, no, no, you might well be right, mate, yeah. Um, I knew there was a seven in there. <laughs> so that, that's wow. as far as I got. Um, you might be right. Sam, where'd you land? Okay, so I don't really have much to say about this album. I haven't written that much down. Um, I expect both of you expect this to be one of my favourites on this list because it feels like it's kind of in my wheelhouse of kind of country folk, kind of there's loads of steel guitar and a lot of it. And I really Mm. liked the instrumentation. It felt very earthy to me. But Mm. I am so glad that you pointed out her voice, Matt, before I was able to, because <laughs> it was an absolute deal breaker for me. And I never want to listen to her sing again because I, it's just so off putting. 
And especially when there's songs on here that we all know. So like How Sweet It Is and When a Man Loves a Woman, you pointed them out. There is no one I would rather, um, I wouldn't rather hear sing those songs than Karen Dalton now because I just, I feel like <laughs> it ruined those songs for me. I actually yeah. don't mind those songs. So it, it's just, yeah, and, and that was kind of it. That that was all I kind of ended up getting from it. Um, I was desperately trying to get everything else out of this album um, because it really should appeal to me. But I, I just can't get past her voice. And I, that yeah, feels so- awful because it's like clearly <laughs> she's she's clearly she's talented with her instrumentation and the way she arranges these songs. But if 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 her voice sounds like that, I just can't I can't go back. <laughs> So. I, it's definitely among my voice. I definitely, I was definitely right it's, in that. Then um, it's, but. it's, yeah. Like when a man loves a woman, sounds like Kermit the Frog. It sounds doing, like someone doing taking a the piss. Like it sounds like <laughs> yeah. kind of like Thingyo doing pub singer kind of thing of like, yeah. like where it's I'm like really glad that you two are the ones saying this because she's trying got a massive to. fan base and that's not absolutely really and they can, Twitter for once. They can, <laughs> they can come for me all they want. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm totally in the wrong here, but that is just yes. for me. Yes, that, that is for me what I think. That's when I do the tweets, and that's the only quote from you I'm going to take out. I didn't, totally I didn't say here. the Muppet quote. That is, that's on <laughs> no, that. I'm, I'm owning that. I don't care. I'm surprised that I am Bring surprised it. that you're both so negative on it, actually. I didn't, I thought I would I, probably be the one who liked it I the most. The, and I'm, I'm surprised to hear the negativity. The music's really, like, it's good. And, like, I didn't realize it was all covers. And, the instrumentation mm. yeah like you say it is adding a new twist to a bunch of songs that will, are a bit much yeah but she, like she's at her best when she's not pushing her voice yeah in my opinion it's when she's sat back and almost it's not sultry but it's almost like angling that way fair enough i'll allow it <laughs> All right, are we done on Karen? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take us to Cold War Kids because I just feel like the sooner we talk about it, the less yeah. I have to think about it. Um, it I'll start us off. So, Cold War Kids are actually a band that are on the. I've got a list of possible bands and artists to feature on the Why I Love section at the end of our podcast, and, and Cold War Kids are actually on there. Um, I, I wouldn't be creating a playlist, playlist though. I'd just be looking at their 2007 album. Robbers and Cowards, which is an absolutely stunking album. I love it. Um, it was an absolute massive album for me for years after it came out, and I saw them live four or five times off the back of it. Um, and I, when you when this was picked, which Matt, I think you picked this. Um, I did. When this was picked, my first instinct was to go back and listen to Robbers and Cowards because I hadn't heard it in years. Um, so I went back and listened to that and thought, oh, this is a great band. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to to hearing them after all, all this time. And it did not take me long to realize that it's not the same band anymore. Um, the opening song, I can't remember the name of it, but it's an absolute mess. Um, total stadium rock, Coldplay-esque, horrible nightmare. Um, and while the album never really plunges quite to those depths, depths again, it doesn't really rise high above them either. Um, I was even convinced for a while that they didn't have the same vocalist anymore because he, he never used to sound quite so much like a chipmunk. Um, but... <laughs> He does now. Um, but then there's the song Times Have Changed, um, which is the only one on this album that hints at being the same band and vocalist from Cold War Kids, the band that I used to love. Um, but even this veers off to something really cheesy towards the end. Um, and yeah, I don't have 
loads more to say other than I wish I hadn't listened to this. It's it's definitely soured my thoughts on a band that I was really um, really a big fan of for quite a while. So I'm not very happy that you picked it, Matt. That's my my yeah. final comment, really. Um, yeah, <laughs> who wants to go? I, uh, I go for it. Sam. I'll jump in first, just because yeah. we'll leave you to last, Matt. If you picked it, you inflicted this yeah, on yeah. us. Um, <laughs> I my first note that I wrote is this is like music written for teeth whitening ads. Um, so <laughs> because I have no, I have no reference point for Cold War Kids. Never heard of them. No reference. I can't remember anyone mentioning them before. Um, so I went into this completely blind, and. I got from this album exactly your description of your experience of being a fan of them and then listening to this album, Fran, where it sounds Mm. like a band that used to be really good. And now, after having huge success and playing bigger and bigger venues, felt like they needed to write music that bands that were playing those bigger venues make. But mm-hmm. the the Coldplay link is so obvious, and I, I got One Republic as well as as a as a link as some mm. these kind of bands that clearly are playing bigger and bigger places and need songs that that supposedly will be bigger and bigger in those. But no one really wants to hear those new ones. But the advantage <laughs> those two bands have is they seem to actually be able to write pop songs that mm. fit with that. Whereas these guys, I, I don't know who signed off these songs like who <laughs> listened to them and went that's a great pop hook yeah yeah just keep saying i can't walk away over and over again and then that's fine and that'll get people into this album it every single song just feels like it's just so generic um mm-hmm. and it it kind of like it weirdly it was one of the least like offensive albums to me on this playlist um <laughs> But that was its biggest problem is that it was just like there. And yeah. it just the songs are just meaningless. There's no depth at all to any of it. It all sounds so overblown um, and yet doesn't say anything. So it it's like it's like it's so f- like in the middle that it becomes just something you never want to go back to. Um so yeah, I I wasn't a fan of this. Do, do we know if there's a New Age yeah. Norms 1 and 2 as well? Cause this I, is I think this is a trilogy, yeah. yeah. Fuck me, it's, man. It's been <laughs> three three years and a new album each year. Yeah. Okay. And I vaguely remember listening to maybe the first one and being like, oh, this is kind of poppy. They've changed. Mm. Um, but I didn't give it any time. And then when this came out, I was like, oh. What, what sort but of the, music did they make before? Because I, well, I have not no so, reference point. They used yeah. to be part of like the, I guess, the New York scene of the like the mid two thousands, where they'd like be with bands like the Walkman and the National, and they'd be the kind of bands that are playing small venues, drink yeah. too much whiskey, and like exercise their demons and existential dread through like just this clattering music. Yeah, um, I'd say Robbers and Carrots is quite a hard album to sum up as well because it's obviously yeah. indie, it's obviously rock, but it's kind of it's got a real sort of rawness to it as well it's um yeah i saw them in a tiny venue in in sheffield called the lead mill and it's just a lot of energy quite a bit of quite aggressive quite dark lyrics but quite funny lyrics and and just yeah really sort of crunchy interesting songs which this is not yeah. uh, it is really dirty dirty and yeah, loud and yeah. like they're on the edge of just falling apart both mm. physically and emotionally like 
Uh, and, and, then, and now they have. This is just <laughs> clean and caged. And yeah. it's, they've been very good at making hugely forgettable pop rock. That's what they've succeeded with this, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, like you mentioned Coldplay, right? I, I also, there were moments that sounded like full on take that and things. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just yeah, full totally. generic but, pop. But done like, badly as well. Yeah, like, exactly. Like take that masters at doing that. They will sell stadiums and people love it. And everyone, like they've made some songs that are people's anthems. I'm like, no one's going to be like, oh, this song, this is going to be our <laughs> wedding song. This song. <laughs> No. It's going to symbolise this. Um, but the idea that we were even thinking about Cold War Kids as someone who might be aiming for a wedding song is so depressing to me. Like, yeah, no one was going to play any of that music from Robbers and Cowards at a wedding, was it? Because it was like dark and maybe, maybe a funeral. But, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I would be. I I want you to do Robbers and Cowards because it it is yeah. one of the best albums of the time. Yeah, no, it's and, fantastic. And they were one of the best live acts. I'd be Did really, we see them, Matt? I would. I'm Together. not sure if we've seen them. I've seen I them at festivals. Uni, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would. I would be super interested to see them now to see what they've become. I would not. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of the interesting thing Sam was saying about how they've started to write songs for bigger crowds. I think it does sound like that, but I don't think their crowds ever got big. Yeah. So I think they'd still be singing to a a room about the size of the lead yeah. mill, but now it'd be empty. Full of people complaining just... they're not doing <laughs> yeah. their old stuff. Yeah, just those yeah. people at the set back saying, hang me up to dry. And that would be yeah. all you would the hear. The second album's but, um, good as well. The second album was decent as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. kind of fell off after that, but yeah. um, they fell very far for this one. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, we have two albums <laughs> cool. left, don't we? Yeah. Sam, which of the two that we have left do you, do you hate the most? <laughs> Oh, what a question! I already know. The, I you you. I don't think you. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't like either of them, but we'll get to that. Um, okay. I'm going to go with the obvious answer, <laughs> which is Amel and the Sniffers, and yeah. I am not happy that you guys made me listen to this. Um, <laughs> you won't be surprised. Like I'm not. I, I wouldn't have been able to kid either of you by saying that I liked it. Um, it's absolutely not for me, and I don't want to listen to an Australian woman shout at me for 35 minutes. Um, and that is what this album is. I, I, I was searching for some sort of lyrical depth. I was searching for some sort of like something else beneath that. Um, but it kind of just sounds like by the numbers, look how different I am. Look how look how weird we are. Uh, you can all just fuck off. And it's like, that. that's it. That's the level that we're at for 35 minutes. Um, and I, I realized that there's, there's literally a song that's probably aimed at me. Um, I don't need a cunt like you to love me, which is an amazing <laughs> song title. Um, and it's like a minute. I can't even think what the song, if it is even a song, it's just there and then disappears. Like so much of this where everything's like two minutes and then it's gone, and then the next song starts, and it sounds exactly like the last one. So I, I, I just don't know what you're supposed to get from this. Um, it feels like this is. I went in probably expecting it to be a bit more on the uh, on like the post punk side. I don't know why, mm. but I just with the albums that you usually pick for these things. But this is like rock, like straight down the line. It felt it. It didn't feel as. Um, didn't feel like it was saying anything, um, which I feel like those albums, at least, I, 
me saying I don't like those uh, those other albums, they're at least saying something and like lyrically they're they're giving something and it's great that that's happening. Um, but this it was like, well, is this all? Are we just going to say fuck off to the crowd? Like that's what it feels like. You're just going to do to me for thirty minutes at your gig. Um, and yeah, I got nothing else from it. So yeah, yeah. I'd like to say you're not predictable, but oh, I'm so predictable. <laughs> That that was that was yeah. I've, I've even included you in my notes. But Matt, do you want do you want to jump in or shall I? Uh, I I can jump in. Yeah. I, like you mentioned post punk, and yeah, this isn't that. Like I feel like there's a lot of bands doing the post punk thing at the moment, and so I found this very refreshing to listen to, mm-hmm. like some actual proper punk rock. Um, and it it doesn't deviate much from like the forebearers of that genre, but that doesn't mean it's not still vital. I don't think. I really, I for me, I thought this album was very fun. Um, it was go- goofy in places. Some of the like images she was conjuring up were um, very, very funny. But then, like I, like I have listened to the. I think they have a previous album, previous EP yeah, or something. Yeah, they do. I, I think they have uh, got much better since that previous album. Um, I think the riffs are catchier. I think the storytelling is actually a little bit better. Um, like, it's not quite uh, like uh, which, which is the track where she's trying to get into a club. Um, security. That's not security. It's not quite yeah. Arctic Monkey levels of uh, storytelling, but it still <laughs> conjures up an image in your in your mm. in your brain, and you can feel that energy that she's uh, bringing to that moment. And mm. I, it's very very relatable. Um, and yeah, I just, I often like, there's a lot of things that are like classic within like punk rock, like the way they drop the guitars and stuff like that. And it quiets down and then it like really picks up again and it, it keeps like sh- switching gears and like a, uh, like a very, uh, a way that just keeps you, uh, engaged, keeps the energy up, yeah. um, prevents it from being one complete monotone. And I, yeah, I think a lot of the things where they're saying fuck you, I think it's more actually, it's not, I, I read it as more like a feminist angle as opposed to mm. just fuck you as the audience in general. Like she is in a more unique position as a female lead to a band, um, specifically within punk rock, which is mostly male dominated. Um, and that, I think that's really exemplified by songs like Knifey, where she's talking about self-defense and having to have a knife uh to defend herself but then also making it super jarring by giving it a cute name yeah. it's i think there's a lot considering its simplicity there's a lot more going on but you could just read it as fuck you you're listening to me and this is just punk rock so fuck you yeah. um yeah i enjoyed it yeah well i i i don't know if we all do this when we're setting the podcast questions but i always pick my questions based on something that's occurred to me while i've been listening and, and the reason i asked sam about the musical movement or legacy question is because this is the purest and most successful version of a punk album I've heard in quite a long time. Mm. Um, it's, it's not, I'm not talking post-punk, I'm talking just pure unadulterated un- un- punk music. It's It's got all the hallmarks, it's fast, it's relentless, it's loud, it's politically charged, it is funny. And for me, it makes me want to get in a room and just throw myself around a bit. Um, and it is also pretty empowering and anthemic, I think. I think it's just in all, all in all a great... A great example of a punk album. Um, 
I picked it because I've been seeing their name around for a few years and I've been meaning to check them out, but I expected something more in the sort of vein of Sleaford Mods because I know they're associated with that band quite a bit. So yeah. I was expecting something a bit electronic and and sort of post-punky, you know, Billy No Mates type stuff. But um, but there's no gimmicks here. It's just guitars, percussion, and a really furious vocalist. Um, I enjoyed the whole thing, but um, Don't Fence Me In and Knifey were two of the most typical and enjoyable, enjoyable punk songs. Um, they're not subtle. They're not politically nuanced, but... They really, really slam their message home. Um, and, you know, while there's a lot to be said for a cleverly constructed argument in a song, there's also nothing wrong with just getting to the point in the way that they do here. Um, I, I also really enjoyed some of the funny songs like Security and, and Maggot. Um, Maggot's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I really want to go and see this band live. And and just to react to something that, uh, that Matt was saying um, around her being a female lead in a band like this i can't remember the name of the song but there's one song where she talks about you know i'm i'm still a hot girl if i'm acting daggy and all that and i can't remember the name of the song but it feels like that was a reaction i don't know if all of you saw it but they did a live stream and um you know you could see the outline of her genitals in in the in her trousers in the in the video and it just twitter and facebook just went mental about it just really abusive towards her and um, I think I feel like that song came out of that. So I think it shows that even I can understand people hearing this kind of music and not really getting, you know, it does sound like just a fuck you, but the fuck you comes from somewhere. And I think in that particular instance, I think it's a really strong um, reaction to an instant like that. Um, but all of that said, the main thing I enjoyed while listening to this was thinking about Sam <laughs> sitting at home Thanks. with his first playlist as a permanent host. And hating every second of this album, that certainly made me smile quite a lot while but I was thinking this, about it. This was one of the most kind of one of the albums that we've done on all the podcasts I've ever done, where David has come in. My partner David has come into the room and said, "Please, can you turn this off?" The most, <laughs> um, because yeah, it was so but clearly all the time we not talk about music, something I you want to tell us to. that David comes in and. Exactly. So My you only know how many David times that is happens. David coming and closing the door. Exactly. <laughs> um, but it's nice to know that you don't just hate shouty man music, though. Oh, I know shouty woman music too. And yeah, it's, everyone, it's good to know. all the shouty people need to just <laughs> sit down for a bit. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. All right. Well, one album left, I think. Is that right? Injury yeah, Reserve. Yeah. Matt, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Sure. Um, I. I found this uh, album kind of, I found it interesting, I guess. Um, I think there was a really uh, interesting atmosphere. I, I think when I first saw the cover art for this, I instantly thought about um, The Thing, the movie, because it's very much akin to yeah. the movie. And that movie is all about atmosphere. It's all about this sinister tone throughout. And that very much echoed what was happening in the album. It almost like weirdly remind the music it reminded me of when we listened to last year, uh, the Keller Chris and Chris Keys album in the sense that okay. the atmosphere was so vital to it, but instead of it having like a warm fuzzy summer vibe, this was just dark overbearing and doom filled. Um, like in Superman, the, the, uh, like glitchy vibes that was throughout the song, made it feel like there was scramb- like scrambling desperation behind the actual uh, the vocals. And it 
it made it like I enjoyed, like I took a lot from listening to it, but it, it, I wouldn't say it was enjoyable. Um, and like he's repeating this line, "Ain't no saving me or you." While this is all happening, it just feels very like despairing. Um, I think as an album as a whole, I much prefer the first half. I think it starts to get disorienting after that. Um, the kind of loses this direction, and you. Um, it becomes a little bit less coherent. Um, but then at the end, the final song, you kind of re- it refines itself. And there's like this repeating droney uh, synth to that sound, which is almost almost optimistic, but it mm. feels like after all this like cloud of darkness, which is especially the, the latter half of the album, which does feel a bit more nebulous, it feels like they found their way again almost. I mean, maybe I'm just reading way too much into this, but it's just mm-hmm. like the feeling of the music itself. Um, and like it matches the lyrics as, as well. I think like he's saying the show must go on. Um, he's saying it's been caught by a storm and it's raining really hard right now, um, but it, it, he's got to go on. Um, and so like as an album as a whole, I liked it. I just wasn't it wasn't like so many of these albums that we covered are like good time vibes <laughs> and so <laughs> it really wasn't that um, yeah. and so yeah. it was it made it a very challenging lesson okay um i'll jump in because sam's already kind of give us a hint how he feels about this yeah so, um but in all honesty i've been all over the place with this album um i kind of went into it absolutely wanting to love it um i discovered their previous lp earlier this year and and really enjoyed that. Um, But despite having some oddball elements in that album, it was a much more straightforward hip-hop album than this is. Um, And then I was really initially very surprised by how how abstract and experimental a project by the time I get to Phoenix is. But that also really excited me at first. It felt really dynamic, really creative. But also it felt like an album that was going to take some time to fully get my head around. But then over the first sort of five or six listens, I found that my interest wasn't really developing in the way that I thought it would. Um, I began to think maybe it was a little too abstract for me to fully connect with it. But then again, that has changed over time. I think I think the basic issue is that this isn't an album you can passively consume. It's not an album you can really appreciate while listening in the background while you're working or you're cooking. It's just too dense or obtuse for that. But when I was able to give it time, I found it really darkly fascinating and really intriguing. Um, I think it's got so much going on and it never really stays still. I think it's sort of pushing on the boundaries of what a hip hop album is to the point that I think it's kind of genreless actually at the end. I don't really think it has a, an obvious genre. Um, and it's kind of got this really intense and troubling feel um, all the way through it. So it isn't an album for all the time. But interestingly, today after I'd written my notes, I listened to it twice. And once I was sat on my own, um, you know, just listen to the album, and the next time I was cooking, uh, I was washing up, and the the amount I enjoyed it while I was just sat listening to it, compared to while it was in the background, was was quite eye opening to me. That it's something you really have to listen to. Um, I think the dark fascination of the album's obviously been added to by the sad death of one of the founding members while they were creating the album. Um, but I think it does a bit of a disservice to focus on this too much, as I think he was involved in everything on the album, and the darkness was something that was that was already there prior to this. Um, I think it, it was meant to be overwhelming. It was meant to feel dystopian. Um, and I think it's really powerful without that sad backstory. I think it's a real reflection of like the last few years. Um, mm. So in the end, yeah, I think it was a really heavy, really emotionally raw, really sort of intense album. And I ended up really admiring it. Um, really, really think it's quite a special album, actually. 
So we'll go to Sam now to tell me why I'm wrong. I'm not. I'm not going to tell you why you're wrong because <laughs> I think that's kind of the point. Is that? Yeah. Um, I. I just really, really struggled to get on board with this, um, and I really, really tried because it—it's definitely the most interesting of any of the any of the music on this playlist. Mm. But whether that interesting means that I'd want to go actively go back to it, I found myself actually dreading having to go back to it because every time I'd I'd be trying to listen to it and get something out of it. Um, and I just couldn't. And it, there's times when it feels like it, it never ever feels like they're rapping over the music that they're supposed to. It always sounds like <laughs> there's like another band or another sound. Or I I like that Matt you you mentioned it kind of like reminded you of kind of like horror thriller kind mm, of film yeah. stuff because there's there's moments like uh, there's a song Ground Zero. It literally sounds like there's a horror film playing in the background. Like, I don't know if that's a sample mm-hmm. of something, um, but, and I can't tell if that's the intention or if it just happens to have aligned that way. Um, and it made it so, so difficult to actually listen to what they're saying. I found that the lyrics get so obscured by some of the noise around it Um and and those droning sounds and the kind of just endless layers of other noise happening over the top of it it never felt like the the actual words were able to come through to me mm. so i found it really hard to even start to fathom what this was about um so yeah i i kind of don't understand who who this album is for um mm. the because like you said it, it doesn't really feel like a genre it feels like it's completely on its own completely unlike anything i've ever heard but for me it wasn't something that i would want to go back to i I tried over and over again to to get something out of it to find that bit of that made it way more interesting or way more kind of um uh, give me that feeling that i wanted and and it ended up that i just didn't want to go back to it every time yeah. it appeared and yeah. yeah um i found that and straight after that other the amel and the sniffers album <laughs> i just i just found that it was like an hour and a half of at the start of this playlist that i just didn't want to put on um, but so different right in the in the reasons why i think so it's different that yeah one's yeah. so straightforward and so to the point and one's so obscure that yeah i would say that this this is doing lots of things and it's really mm. that you can tell that they're really, really trying to achieve this mood, this feeling and no other album gives you any feeling like that um, in the, in the, the way that this one does. Um, mm. So it's way more interesting than some of the other things on here, but it just, I, I just found it impossible to get over that gap. It, it's so kind of um, so unintelligible at times mm. um, and difficult to get, past i don't know how many other people would be able to do that to listen to this and go i'm gonna put the work in to get to that point um yeah 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 if we didn't have this in our playlist then yeah. i like i would have given up on it because it, yeah. like, mm. there were so many times i listened to it it took more than it gave back um, exactly yeah. yeah i think if i hadn't heard the first album i wouldn't have you know given it and obviously it was on the on the playlist so i would have but 
I think if I'd just gone on to this one without hearing the first one, I probably mm. wouldn't have got to where I did with it. But I think it's interesting because it's a lot of the time on this podcast when we disagree about an album, I don't, I can often not really fathom why the other person might think the way they do, but I totally get why people <laughs> wouldn't enjoy this album and why people wouldn't want to listen to this album. But I think what, what something Sam said that was interesting was I don't really get who it's for. I, I, I don't usually, I'm not usually a big fan of Needle Drop, but I watched his review of this and he, what was interesting to me is he said, this is, it isn't for anyone. He, he basically said the idea that um, they are they're so far away from an act that's trying to create something that's going to hit a trend or that's going to sort of have a certain audience. They're just creating something that they it feels like they've yeah. kind of enjoyed doing. And this all was born yeah. born out of a DJ set that they did apparently, and it all just sort of was a very creative, very sort of jammy process rather than them actually sitting down and writing the songs. And I think it's I quite like that an act is. is is creating an album that it's not necessarily hitting for someone in particular or something in particular. Yeah. But I do totally understand yeah. why people don't, again, can't listen to it because it is a difficult listen, but an interesting one, I think. Yeah. That's my final point on injury <laughs> reserve. But wow. So should we, um, playlist, let's talk about the playlist. Uh, Sam, your first playlist as, as a stool. Um, <laughs> how, how, how does our new stool rate the playlist? I this was the worst playlist that I've had to listen to. Um Welcome. on the on the podcast. Um, nice to have you here. Yeah, I just it, it just didn't uh, genuinely the only thing that I could see myself going back to is the Lil Nas X album, mm. um which we all seem to agree and that was great, but I just there was nothing else here that remotely made me want to listen to it, so then obviously Going back to the whole playlist, um, it felt like a bit of a slog to get through, yeah. um, if I'm honest. Welcome to the team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's no point in me asking what your favourite was, because we all know. So we'll, we'll we'll go to Matt. What what did you think of the, the whole thing? Uh, I like it. It didn't. It, the playlist as a whole didn't really stir me. Um, mm. There's none, none of the albums. I was like, yes, this is going to make it into my albums of the year list. The closest that got to that like the two albums that I actually um, enjoyed a lot, which is Amal and the Sniffers and Little Nas X. But mm. I don't, compared to some of the other albums that I've really loved this year, they're, they're not in the same league. Um, I'll listen to them again, I think, maybe, but, but nothing beyond that. Okay, well, for me... Uh... One of the best playlists we've had in quite a, quite a long time. <laughs> I actually, because um, James in our WhatsApp group made a comment about it being our worst playlist. Um, so I, that made me go and look for our playlist and try, try and see how many playlists we've had that I thought were better than this playlist. And I would say maybe only four or five um, in the 47 episodes have been better than this. Um, Injury Reserve and Karen Dalton, I, I thought were both exceptional. Um, Amal and the Smithers, I really enjoyed and will continue to listen to. And, and Lil Nas X, although not Michael Petit, like, I, I enjoyed something that challenged me in that way. Uh, the only one that just can get in the bin completely was Cold War Kids. Um, so <laughs> I, thought it was a, I thought it was a great playlist. Which, you know, it's nice to hear some disagreement because we've been accused recently of, of agreeing too much on this podcast. But I think, you know, things might change yeah. now. Things might change. Okay. Yeah. Shall I? Yeah, it's very different. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't expecting you to love it so much. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did, and it was interesting because I don't think I did it first as well. I think that was what was interesting about this playlist. It was, it was kind of a a, a slow burner for me with some of the albums, um, the Karen Dalton and the oh, 
Karen Talton. In the injury reserve, both injury reserve both took a long time to sort of get me. Um, I liked Anna Leather Sniffers straight away, but mainly because straight away yeah. I was like, Sam's going to hate this. Um, yeah. That it's, me up. it's irresistible. Yeah. I Yeah, we can just all agree on Cold War Kids. That was the worst. <laughs> yes. Although, was it the worst for Sam? I'd definitely rather listen to that than the other the other albums. Definitely. <sighs> but that's not saying much. Please don't make me listen to any of this again. Please. Okay. Yeah. I feel like we might just do this playlist again straight away. Just you know, see, if, see if we change oh, the minds by next month. Cold, Cold War Kids 1 and 2. Yeah. yeah. Special Cold War Kids episode. Oh, God. Yeah. Right. I'm going to cheer us all up and talk about Roots Maneuver. Um, so this is our why I love section. Uh, this this month I'm going to talk about Roots Maneuver. When I was sort of um, writing my intro and, and, and writing down some notes, I couldn't decide whether I needed to talk about who Roots Maneuver is. Um, before I start talking about why I love him, because I, I think there'll be a lot of listeners who know a hell of a lot more about Roots Maneuver than I do. Um, so I don't really want to embarrass myself in front of them by going into too much of his history. But on the other hand, I think some people might not even know his name, because um, I think he falls in this sort of space that maybe you have to be a certain age or, or into a certain type of music to know who he is. But um, So I'll give a little gen- general intro. Um, so Rodney Smith has been releasing music under the stage name of Roots Maneuver since 1994. When I was 10, and, and you two, I don't think, were born, um, or, you know, hadn't been born for very long. How old were you both in 94? Five. I was three. Wow. Okay, so Roots Maneuver released his first EP when you were three, Sam. Um, but yeah, he's largely considered as one of the pioneers of British hip-hop. Um, he launched his career when hip-hop in this country... Hip-hop from this country was largely seen as a bit of a joke compared to American hip-hop, really. Um, and a lot of that was understandable, if I'm being honest. Um, there was there was a comedic element to a lot of UK hip-hop that would fall flat um, anywhere other than the UK and sometimes other than the town that the artist was from. Um, but around that time, Roots Maneuver started to see some success. Um, well, a bit later, probably in the late 90s, with his first two albums, Um and a lot at that time, a lot of British rappers were trying to lean into their accents or lean into their local dialects to try and seem less like they were just trying to copy US hip hop and what had come before. Um, and this was also around the time that I started to get into hip hop personally. So in reality, Roots Maneuver has been a big part of getting me into one of my favorite genres. And he's one of the few artists in that genre that I have listened to right from the very start of my journey with that music. Um, but the reason I connected with him back then when I was sort of in my late teens and, and early 20s um, was because of the rare way in which he seemed to take influence from US hip hop and mix it with a sort of sense of his own identity. Um, there is something really British about his early music. He doesn't shy away from using words and lyrics that might not be understood elsewhere in, in terms that are very British, but he has the energy of US hip hop um, at that time. That's very present in his music. Um, I was very much in my gangster rap stage at this point. I was listening to a lot of Tupac, a lot of Dre, a lot of NWA, a lot of Eminem, um, the, like, that, that kind of music, Mob Deep. And while my friends listened to a lot more UK hip-hop, I couldn't really connect with a lot of it. Um, it didn't have the same vitality as the US version for me. But Roots Maneuver was the big exception. Um, he had such a crossover value. And that was really hammered home for me when Charlie Tuna from Jurassic 5 featured on the song Join the Dots, which I've included on this playlist. That song blew my mind at the time. And I think the best thing about it is that Roots really showed 
that you deserve to share a mic with such a legendary rapper. Like his verses are not outshone by Charlie Junior. He lives with him all the way through that song. Um, the the album that that song was on, Run Run Come Save Me, um, which was his second album, was absolutely huge for me, and it's probably one of my most played albums of all time. Um, so I included four songs from that album on my playlist. Um, three of them, Dreamy Dreamy Days, Join the Dots, and particularly Witness, One Hope, are probably in my top 20 hip-hop songs of all time. Um, and I stayed on board with Roots Maneuver until the next album, Awfully Deep. I remember seeing him in Sheffield around that time. It, it was an incredible show. Um, but in the years between that and Slime and Reason, which came out in 2008, I kind of sort of fell out of love with hip hop for a bit. Um, there was a lot of stuff around that time, like 50 Cent and G Unit and the game that just very kind of very much the misogynistic elements and the guns. I think as I was starting to understand the world a bit better, I kind of got put off by some of that. Um, so in all honesty, other than returning to run, come save me quite regularly, I'd kind of decided at that time that Roots Maneuver was a bit done. Um, I'd occasionally hear something about him, but never really went back that regularly. Then I don't know if you guys remember, but during lockdown, I did a challenge on our Twitter where I was listening yeah. to the full discog- yeah. discographies of different artists that I felt I should be more into. And one, one of them was Roots Maneuver. His discogra- discography was the best one I listened to in, during that challenge. Um, there's not a bad album, album among them, and there's barely a, a bad song, to be honest, for me. Um, but what blew me away more than anything was listening to his most recent album uh, bleeds which came out in 2015 so it, this was an artist who had kind of written off as having released their best music you know close to two decades ago um here they were releasing this exceptional album which was also quite a left turn in a way in terms of the experimentalism within it so it worked with the likes of sort of fortet on this album and was creating something much more expansive and, and kind of oddball um so yeah, discovering this album really reignited my love for Roots Maneuver and made him not just a one-album artist for me. There was always three albums I liked, but I thought he was sort of a one special album. But having spent a lot of time over the last year with his whole discography, I think he's probably up there with my favourite hip-hop artists of all time. Um, I think he's just had an exceptional career, and I don't think it's over yet. I think there's more to come. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I've really got to say. Um, but before I sort of hear from you what you guys thought of the playlist and what you think of his music in general i'd i'd like i'd love to know a bit about how much you knew him um and if you knew of him at all so um should we go to sam first yeah sure um i had knew the name roots maneuver but i it's it's so weird to me that i have absolutely no memory of listening to any music from him (laughs) before i wouldn't have been able to tell you the name of the song Um, and also it was weird that i thought someone who's so integral to like British hip hop through like the nineties through to the two thousands, I'd have thought I'd have come across him featuring on something else that I'd have listened to. And, but I, I guess his stuff is sort of the precursor to then grime kind of becoming a thing Mm. and then begin being Mm. the defining thing. Cause if the thing of like Dizzy Rascal, that was like 2003, wasn't it? And so it's probably just before that, that those early albums. So maybe that's why is that it was just a bit before me catching yeah. up to that sort of music. Um, so I didn't really have any expectations going in. Um, yeah, but I, I 
quite enjoyed most of it. I I would say I enjoyed the first half more than the second half. Um, okay. Probably for the same reasons you were saying about kind of really getting into it at the time. And mm. the late, the later stuff does seem way more kind of out there and experimental mm. and maybe a, a different sound. Um, so I f- at first I was a bit frustrated that you'd put it just in order of the release, yeah. but I actually, yeah. I can see why you did that because it is, it's really interesting that his sound, the first couple of songs sound completely different. It's like a completely different artist to yeah. that latest mm. album, which yeah. it, you can tell that he's influenced by so many different types of music, not just hip hop, but um, you can, you can hear influences from everywhere. So to, to be able to see that, it, that range and get that kind of journey through it, I felt like that mm. really worked when listening to the playlist. Um, so yeah, I I really really liked um, the songs you mentioned earlier um, from that second album. Like Witness okay. was the the standout for me. Yeah, across all of those yeah. songs, um, it felt like a song that I'd heard loads, even though I have no memory of actually hearing it. Um, it just felt like an instant classic. Um, but yeah, I'd I, be surprised if you've not heard it on like. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's everywhere, probably. like yeah, yeah. especially with. I know your partner watches a lot of Match of the Day, and it's probably on Match of the Day. Even now, it still every now and then pops up on there. So you yeah, will yeah. have heard it. Yeah. But yeah, so I really enjoyed it. Um, I feel like I'm I'm gonna go and listen to some of those first few albums mm. um, to to really dive into it properly. Um, because what I heard, I, I really enjoyed. Brilliant. Yeah, Run Run Come Save Me. I would say. I could have just put that album forward. Um, if it hadn't been for Bleeds coming out when it did, I might well have done that. But it's, um, but yeah, just to comment on the um, chronological order, there wasn't really any. <laughs> the main reason that that is because Nick left the podcast and I, I had to put together a playlist at the last minute because he was going to do the What I Love. So I just <laughs> quickly shoved them in order. So there was no thinking really there. But um, I feel like it yeah, worked but, with, yeah. with yeah. kind of the, the journey that he's clearly been on. Yeah, I think it does make sense. I think sometimes it does, doesn't it? Chronological makes sense when someone has changed throughout their career. But now I'm glad you enjoyed some of it. What, what about you, Matt? I know you knew him a little bit better than Sam. Yeah, I, I knew him a little bit. Um, like I was familiar with um, the second album, Run Don't Change, and the I forget the album name, Slime, because I, I did something Slime similar to you. Slime and Reason. Um, mm-hmm. I did something similar to you maybe a couple of years ago where I just trawl through Spotify and be like, I don't know like this artist well enough, but I know their name. So I'll, I'll add mm. a couple of their albums to a playlist and listen to it. And I have several of the songs that you picked out as like liked okay. on my Spotify. Um, and of it, we've talked about Witness. Witness, I, I knew even before that um, mm. because it was massive. And it is like those, that squelchy like beat it's just mm-hmm. uh so it feels iconic and has been everywhere and it's just so good um and then, yeah it was really interesting here you talk about the contrast between american and british hip-hop and at the time because uh, when i started listening to this was later because uh, my hip hip-hop years came they came later and it was probably when you were falling out of love with hip-hop and so mm-hmm. my reference point for american hip-hop was was not very good yeah. And so this to me was always, it was always bigger, weightier and more like atmospheric, less disposable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it stuck with me a lot more than a lot of the like Americans style hip hop that I was listening to uh, or that I'd heard around. 
Um, I, I haven't like listened to this in a while, but it was really nice to dip back into those tracks and then get introduced to a bunch more that I hadn't listened to because I, I pretty much stuck to those two albums. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, one thing we haven't mentioned is his voice. Uh, his voice mm. is just, it's so unique and so deep and so like gravelly. It has so much gravitas to it that like he could he could be bad at what he does and it would still be listenable because it has so much yeah. of that like weight attached to it but yeah. he isn't bad he's pretty good as well and so yeah. it, it makes it makes it something that's yeah really really enjoyable to listen to and then as sam was saying the chronological order i actually yeah i really enjoyed listening to him through time because he has evolved a lot and yeah. he's taking all these influences, but he's also following the trajectory of British hip hop as well, and probably instructing it at the same time because it becomes more minimal. It becomes less like uh, atmospheric and uh, becomes more akin to like the grimy stuff we're listening to. But then yeah. he's still making yeah. some of these bigger, tr- like I forget what the, the last track is, but it's, I think it maybe has James Blake on it. Um, I can't remember and, the name of it now off the top of my head, um, but yeah, yeah, I know which one you mean. Yeah, and I and that is so. It's like it feels very now and new, but it also feels so mm. like sounds so roots roots maneuvery at the same time. And so, yeah, it, it's I now I want to listen to some of the other albums as well, uh, especially the debut. Yeah, yeah the debut um, is great. It is it's is the most straightforward album, um, but it is great. It, well, it's just much sort of someone finding their finding their sound, I think, in a way. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I think to think about a couple of the comments that you've you've both made. I think Sam, when you said that you've not heard him on any features, uh, this guy's featured. I, I could have done a playlist of songs that he's the feature artist on, and, and I, at first I had included a few because he's he's done songs with cinema cinematic orchestra, Left Field, um, Chemical Brothers. He's done a song with Gorillas. I don't like gorillas. I was going to say, yeah. Um, he's he's on all sorts, and also he nearly every album he's brought out. And this Sam mentioned in the different um, genres, he's done like a dub version of the album. So we've got sort of dub come save me, and and sort of more you know reggae influenced versions of his album. So he's he has been all over the place and done all sorts of different things. It was really quite hard to condense yeah. into this playlist. There's even one album, Forever Revolution, that I didn't put a track on on the end, even though that album's great. It's just that there's stuff I wanted to include from all the other albums. So if there was, yeah, if there was some stuff there for you, which it sounds like there was, I would recommend diving into some of that stuff as well. Cause particularly the song you did with cinema, cinematic orchestra is fantastic, but it's about 11 minutes long. So I thought I was taking the piss a bit by <laughs> adding that on to this playlist, but no, glad you, glad you both enjoyed some of it. And yeah, that's Roots Maneuver, yeah. I think. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Good stuff. So that's us. So um, on to next time. But well done, Sam, for getting through an entire episode and entire playlist that you hated. And yeah, my pleasure. Thank Hope you for the next joining one will us. Be better. Yeah. It's so what, what have we got next? Um, uh, you're hosting, aren't you, Matt? So what what are you bringing I'm to hosting. us next time? Okay. So the classic album is going to be Boards of Canada with Music Has the Right to the Children, and then I'm going to be. Yeah, so uh, we'll see. Um, then I'm going to be introducing everyone, and probably people know him already, um, to Paul Weller. Paul Weller. A playlist. 
across all his various guises. Okay, cool. So I've got the two new releases I picked are Skin by Joy Crooks and Lonely Guest by Lonely Guest. What have you got, Sam? And I have picked um, Optimist by Phineas and Pins and Needles by Natalie Hemby. Okay. So Sam gets to start stamping his country tones. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going all in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah. 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 Right. Okay, listeners, well, check us out at, at pickybees.com, pickybs.com. We have a whole host of things that isn't just us talking. Um, and find us on Twitter at pickybastards, capital B, capital B. And, yeah, see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.